All right, good afternoon. Today is October 15th, 2019, and this is the Learn Digital Advertising Internet Marketing News. My name is Rick Maggio with LearnDigitalAdvertising.com, and today I'm lucky to be joined by Mr. Ricky Shockley from ShockleyMarketing.com and Mr. Joe Fortunato from CompanyManStudios.com. Thank you guys both for joining today. Glad to be here. Uh, Ricky, real quick, uh, shameless self-promotion. Tell us about Shockley Marketing quickly. Yeah, so I basically spend my days helping small local businesses generate leads with online advertising and SEO. Great. And Joe, Company Man Studios. Uh, we are a digital media production company based in Tampa, Florida, and I am the digital marketing manager for the team. So awesome. you know, make sure we get eyes in front of all the great content we produce. All right. Very good. Um, all right. So I'm going to jump right in. We got about eight stories today, a couple of weeks worth of news. We've been on vacation. Uh, but here we go. Uh, first thing we're seeing, uh, and I think you guys have probably been seeing this a little bit too, we've seen some testing on Google's side for removing URLs from the search engine results. Uh, the, you know, we got a screen capture on top, uh, which I think we borrowed uh, from an internet resource that I cannot quote right now. Um, but we, we did, uh, you know, it's interesting because we're seeing um, an icon, we're seeing the business name, we're seeing structured data, it seems like, um, sort of appearing in place of a you know, website URL. Guys, I'm curious on your thoughts. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like it's about time that the results got a little more uh, robust than just showing you know, really long, ugly URLs. Um, have you seen any of this? And do you feel like there's any impact? We'll start with you, Ricky. Yeah, to me, it's just an issue of aesthetics. I don't know that it has much implication other than that. I think it looks cleaner, it looks nicer, it looks more organized. Probably helps if you've built a brand to have that recognizability in the search results. Other than that, I don't think it's a huge deal to me. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing, just to play devil's advocate on it, I think by not showing the URLs anymore, it takes away a piece from the user to be able to kind of use their own decision-making to, to look at the validity of, of a result, uh, you know, especially when it's in something that maybe you're not really familiar with. Um, you know, a lot of the time you'll see, like in this example, you, you can at least tell what a UK site is to uh, not a UK site. But mm -hmm. that's one thing that kind of popped up in my mind is I, I tend to use the URLs to tell me, is this legitimate or is this just some site that figured out how to, to game the SERPs? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm a little curious, you know, if uh, yeah, I think of uh, you know the, all the nefarious sort of review websites out there and that sort of thing, and you get kind of a clue as to what you're clicking through to just by the domain name and and that sort of thing. And uh, you know, maybe to Ricky's point too, like if you haven't built a brand, is this going to have a, a big impact? Uh, obviously, out of our control is SEOs, but you know, something to keep in mind, and uh, maybe another reason for you know, brand strengthening and making sure your favicon's in place to get the icon there. Um, or if that's through structured data, I'm not even really sure yet. Um, but uh, just a small little change, but uh, we'll, we'll be interesting to see when that gets pushed uh, fully out. Um, have you guys actually seen it in daily searches at all? I've noticed it once or twice. Uh, I couldn't put it, I wanna say it was actually on mobile when I noticed it. Yeah. I'm notoriously not good with details, so if I've seen it, I haven't <laughs> consciously noticed it yet. <laughs> Aloof, I think is the word there. There you go. So, yeah, no, I, I tried like 30 private browsers the other day to try to replicate it to get my own screen capture because I typically like to search for cats for this show and show cat results, but uh, I was unable to find it a second time, but I did see it one time and that's what caught my eye originally. Um, we'll jump on to the next thing. Uh, you know, a little thing we noticed in Reddit. 
uh, Google's unofficial announcement that HTML sitemaps mean nothing. Is this a surprise to anybody? No, not, not to me. And, you know, really my big takeaway from this is I really like how John Mueller is, is being more transparent with these, you know, kind of SEO pieces that, that play into how to best get along with Google. Um, when I first got into the space and was dealing with Matt Cutts, it seemed more like playing Where's Waldo or like reading a Dr. Seuss book, understanding what he meant with the things that he would say. But, you know, it's, and I think we'll get into it a little more in the next topic as well. But yeah. I really appreciate how forward that John has kind of started to take Google's approach to, to these sort of things. Yeah, it's a pretty direct answer. It's a good point. Um, I, I'm kind of shocked that John Mueller is hanging out on Reddit, and I'm not 100% sure that's his account, but the social media <laughs> examiner seems to think so. Uh, so uh, we're going to go with it. It actually did seem, uh, I checked some of the posts on that account. It, it's either a good lookalike or him. Uh, so good, uh, good little snippet there. Um, so, you know, the next piece here, it's going to take me a second to cue this up because I'm not all that professional on this one, but here we go. Just a second, gentlemen. Uh, this next report is basically about a new service that Google is offering. It's very similar to what you get on LDA here on a weekly basis, although we cover all the internet marketing news. But Google, because they're making so many changes, decided that John Mueller and others, or Mueller, Mueller, he will deliver the updates via YouTube video. Uh, and we have the first video here. Uh, is everybody uh, interested in hearing it? Yeah, let's roll here. it. All right, here it goes. And can you guys hear audio on this? No. Well, let me let me just turn that on real quick. Well, hello, listeners. My name is John Mueller. You should watch Learn Digital Advertising's news instead of mine. Way more interesting. <laughs> Did you did that audio kick in for a second there? I'm a, yeah, I'm a newbie yeah, on this. I can't I can't seem to crystal it clear. Out. Very uh, very confusing to me. Um, yeah, so uh, I encourage people. We'll have a link below the video to check this out. But uh, he does deliver all the news. It's way less exciting than what you get here on LDA, and we cover all the other stuff too. But um, it, it is interesting to you know kind of start getting these uh, updates. And from the LDA standpoint, this is something we've always kind of wondered why it didn't exist in terms of just with all the changes in our industry, trying to keep up with them. Uh, Google obviously doing their own and, you know, maybe some other services will follow suit now, who knows. Um, but yeah, check out the video. I think there's just one so far up there. Uh, next, Facebook news. Um, click to message is a new call to action in story ads. So before we started recording, I expressed my uh, lack of experience in running Facebook story ads. Um, so I'll leave it to you guys, but uh, obviously a few different calls to action in these type of ads. This, this new ad unit is, I think a swipe up is what I read um, to sort of message the advertiser. Um, any thoughts on whether this is something you've really been looking for as an advertiser specific to story ads or uh, you know, just kind of another option? Joe? Oh, sure. So, uh, you know, one thing that I kind of look forward to with using this, uh, I have a client right now who is in the storage space and they get bombarded with questions on, you know, simple things from what time can I pick up, what pricing sort of things. 
and this this gives us a, a kind of unique new format to get through to younger people who really have been the core of our customer base. So you know, I, I look forward to building out some stuff with you know CTAs and messaging that says uh, you know swipe up and you'll get an answer within 30 seconds. Yeah, uh, I think Instagram specifically is kind of an instant gratification platform. So I think the, these two should play really well together. I look forward to using them. Ricky, anything to add to To me, it's just an additional opportunity to start a conversation, especially when we're dealing with lead generation. A lot of the clients that I work with, this is kind of a low friction way to start the conversation without anybody having to fill out a form or pick up the phone. And I'm wondering, Joe, do you know if this integrates with like the chat box, the automated chat box, so that you'd be able to use something like ManyChat with this to send automated replies? I actually was just reading up on many chats integrations and it should work. Uh, I haven't tested it yet. I'm actually in the process of building a many chat bot for the storage uh, client I just mentioned, but uh, hopefully by the next time or next couple episodes or so, I'll be able to report back on how the two play nicely together. Nice. And I'm really, uh, and I'm wondering if you have any concerns over if you take like a high ad budget client, and the sheer volume of messages that you might get. Because to me, this is really low-hanging fruit. This is like a great call to action. This is something that Google's never been very good at. They kind of run it through. They've done the text message, you know, sort of variation of this. And I've actually never run it. And I think not a lot of people have for a lot of reasons. But like, how do you manage a situation where you're going to now have 30 or 40 or 50 or more messages per hour, um, you know, et cetera? Like, it seems like the volume can be really high in a, in a space where you've got, you know, a 10K a day plus budget. I mean, my hopes are that ManyBot will be able to filter through a lot of that. Um, luckily with the storage client, we're launching just in the uh, Tampa, St. Pete area. So we shouldn't see too big of a, you know, flood of messages right away, but they do have very aggressive growth plans within the next 12 months to be in like, I want to say like 15 different big markets all up and down the East Coast. So uh, luckily they have a pretty solid customer service team already in place. So I'm hoping I could just pass all that off right to, <laughs> right to them and not have to worry too much about saying, hey, you know, we got to get our response time down under five minutes or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think people will use it. Will people follow up in the messages? Maybe not. Will they call instead? Probably. Well, I'm going to send a bunch of messages as I see it, just to see how companies <laughs> handle it. I mean, I'm really yeah. curious, you know, yeah. hopefully you can time that call to action too. I don't know if there's gonna be a time setting because obviously if uh, no one's sitting in a room to answer call center or wherever you try to route these, uh, seem ideal to put some sort of time uh, setting on that as you do with like call extensions and Google ads and that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Jump on the next, uh, I was talking about privacy gate and Facebook and I defined privacy gate. You heard it here first on LDA, by the way. Uh, oops, cell phone. Uh, basically privacy gate. So what we're talking about here is Google's or Facebook's um, sort of launch of giving the users the ability to block offsite activity tracking. And uh, just to recap this story, we did report on it a few weeks ago and now this is like the global uh, rollout. And I was curious to get your feedback on this, but. Um, you know, it's basically the ability to just either block or clear cookies from offsite tracking. Um, now that it's rolled out fully, you know, what do you guys expect? You know, we had other people on to kind of get their feedback. How often, because this is not a default setting and it's not something that Facebook really like when you log in that they're sort of prompting you for at any point, which is, I think, a really good thing. You know, how often do you think people are going to actually use this? And, 
you know, if they do use it, you know, what does the future of Facebook advertising look like? Because that's sort of a key component to why ads work so well there, at least in my view. Um, let me start with you, Ricky. Any thoughts on, you know, what that impact could be? Yeah, I would assume it's going to be a ridiculously small fraction. And unless you get something viral going around where this turns into a bigger deal, um, for the first viral privacy issue that's actually real that runs through a Facebook newsfeed. <laughs> but other than that, I don't see many people doing this. I think I echo the sentiments that a lot of you expressed on the last episode, which is I personally like ads that are tailored to me. I bought this wallet right here off an Instagram ad. So I like seeing things that are tailored to me that make sense to you me. Do you want to name drop a company on that? <laughs> this is Forest and Herald is the name of the company. Never heard of them before. <laughs> but no, I like that. I don't imagine too many people are going to be taking the proactive step of disabling the, you know, the, that setting. Yeah, just to add on to that, I think a lot of, a lot of that ability already exists that, uh, that people just aren't using. Um, you know, you can go through and remove yourself from as many different interests and stuff as you want. Sorry, I'm getting the conference line buzzing. Um, you, you can go through and remove yourself from interest, from fan pages, from all of that, and people don't really care to go through it. They'd rather, you know, post a comment saying, how did Facebook know to serve me an ad about something that I Googled two days ago and forgot? Yep. Uh, yeah, so until that commentary really, you know, like Ricky said, until that commentary really starts leading the charge, uh, I don't think many people will will even be able to really find the tool. <laughs> I challenge them to find it. <laughs> I do think it's an interesting trend, though. I listened to another podcast, um, Polizzi and Rose, This Old Marketing, and they were talking about something similar to this. And they were talking about the, the idea that this could shift so far in the other direction that these companies are essentially paying you to access your data at some point. So it'd be interesting to see how that trend rolls out to where this becomes more of a mainstream thing that these privacy settings are automatically enabled. And then by allowing people to use your data to market to you, you're actually, they're actually paying you a small stipend per month based on your user activity or something of that nature. So it'd be interesting to see where that progresses to. I love that concept, you know, and it, it exists in a very different format. If you think of like Ebates or something like that, that pays you to shop through them because they're getting paid by the vendor, you know, it's just sharing the love a little bit and, why shouldn't we all get a little bit of money back? But at the end of the day, these prices just get marked up to pay all these, uh, you know, fees uh, to essentially market. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't have to come to that. I sort of think that free content should should drive. You know, that's what drove web. Yeah, right? I agree. You know, free content should drive. You know, see some ads. You know, get updates on your neighbors' dogs. You know, rash or you know whatever's on Facebook yeah. that day. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, we'll see what happens. I mean, it is the global rollout. We had it in the U.S. already. Um, I don't know how we're going to quantify it. I just don't know how we're going to be able to say we lost this much opportunity as a result of that. I don't think Facebook's going to be sharing that unless they have to in a shareholder meeting of some sort. But, yeah. From one thing that I saw was that even though they'll allow you to stop the tracking off of Facebook, they're still going to collect everything that you do on Facebook. And I imagine they would probably maybe even scrutinize a little bit closer just so that they're able to report back to advertisers and to shareholders that, uh, you know, ads aren't suffering because of the change. Yeah. Yeah. So does it only essentially affect retargeting audiences then in that case? So it's really only retargeting ads that are affected by this rollout in the first place. It would have to affect lookalikes as well. Right. I mean, that's yeah, it would be lookalikes. Um, I think there's uh, some there's some interest targeting you can do based off of sites that people visit as well. 
So I imagine that would probably take a bit of a hit. Well, we more to come. We'll see. I think we'll be talking about this a lot more in the future. Um, it's uh, it's a big change, but I, again, it's it, if these networks don't police themselves, this will be pushed upon them. And I think this is a good step to uh, doing this. And you know, we mentioned in previous episodes, you know, Google's kind of got this uh, sandbox sort of like Chrome framework. You know, after Firefox went and said we're going to block Google Analytics and and certain types of uh, cookies. Um, you know, Google kind of came out and said, you know what, whoa, 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 let's, let's create a framework for this. We can't just blanket make these statements. Uh, the web needs this to survive. Free content needs to, needs advertising right now. So unless we all want to start paying for this stuff, uh, you know, we hope this gets policed all right. But next up, uh, all right, so this is a Google search console uh, change here. Um, and this uh, basically, there's three different ways that videos are mostly showing uh, in Google search results now. Uh, and the first is just regular search results. Um, you can also tab over to videos. In addition to that, now discover is becoming a thing. And now discover, uh, I'm not an Android user, but it's, it's sort of a default setting on some Android devices. Um, also on the Google app, um, you'll get sort of suggested content and that can be video, it can also be in other formats as well, but there is some video there. Um, and to start to give webmasters a view of this, what Google is doing uh, is a few upgrades to Search Console. Um, the first piece that they're reporting on has to do with like the uh, enhancement report. So this is the part of Google Search Console where you can, if you're passing, for example, product rich snippets, um, Google's going to kind of give you an idea if there are any errors, how many products they're seeing, that sort of thing. So really unrelated to the actual traffic to this content and more so just them letting you know how they're digesting it. Um, but what they opened up to now is, is a little more detail on video and I've got a screen capture of that. Uh, that's the Learn Digital Advertising Google Search Console there and you can kind of see the you know green trend with how many videos they found um, as well as just specific videos they found and you know the item name and that. Um, there's some filtering ability there too. So just a little more visibility um, in terms of what Google's actually seeing. Uh, you know, and the second piece to this has to do with the performance reports. Um, the reason I wanted to bring this story up, because I know we're not huge, uh, at least I'm not a huge video advertiser or, uh, or marketer um, in that sense. But what's interesting is that Discover, the product, so this is not Google search results, but Google's Discover product, the suggestion engine essentially, is getting its entire own section of Google Search Console. And I know that at least from the metrics I see, I don't have a lot of sites that even see a lot of traffic from Discover. We were able to find a little blurb here, uh, which you'll see there. We had a couple days and the traffic was really nice. You know, it was fine. Um, but I just wanted to get your feedback on, you know, Discover as a whole. Do you use it? Um, and obviously just with video getting, you know, more detail on that, you know, what, what is any, any implications or anything that you can think of? I'd love some feedback on. Start with you, Joe. I mean, I look forward to being able to use this, um, you know, as a the digital marketing guy at a video production company. This is kind of like, uh, you know, giving me the other team's playbook, so to speak, on on what's going on with these videos that we produce for clients. Um, I've only been here for a couple of months, so we haven't run any large scale video ad campaigns yet. But knowing that I have this in my pocket is definitely going to give me a little more confidence to, you know, maybe ask for a little bigger budget to to run some yeah, of these campaigns yeah not to mention on a on a seo side to to start figuring out you know what what are the pieces to optimize for discover 
Yeah, because you're not limited to what you can do on YouTube, you know, doing optimization just through that platform specifically. This is what I assume is going to be mostly on on page optimization that, you know, just as your site gets crawled and these videos get recognized, um, you know, whatever you kind of get your structured data in place is going to start to feed into this discover feed as well. Mm -hmm. Ricky, any thoughts? Not really. I'm a pretty regular user of Google Discover, actually. It's where I swipe over and get my news every morning. So I think, especially with the Google Pixel 4 launch was today, I think you have more and more people using Google products, especially in the cell phone market. I would expect that would continue to grow. And as that grows, and you have people obviously using Android already, that the Google Discover feature in terms of uh, how many people are using it, I would assume, would grow and increase as well. So something interesting to keep an eye on, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know that I, and to touch upon some of that a little bit, you know, I definitely misinterpreted this when I first started seeing some Discover traffic coming through on a site. And I, I can say as an SEO, I've seen very little of it so far. Um, but it's very interesting to me what the capabilities were. Uh, you know, we had seen like, you know, 50, 75 hits for a couple of days and then just disappeared. But, you know, I hope that we get enough sort of feedback through this tool to really know how to handle this tool and how to market through it. Um, because it is a, it's an organic Google product that has nothing to do with search, essentially. And that's kind of a first there. Google's big thing is search, uh, at least in yeah. my view. Um, and this is uh, just something where they're trying to play the social media, the Facebook game, essentially, you know, and just determine what's relevant to you based on all that data. I think it is very time sensitive too. It's almost like a, like I, I thought it was mainly a news feature, but I do see articles in there that are older. So I think that would explain the tight window of a spike and then a drop off. It seems to be very time sensitive, a lot of news related content in there, stuff that's recently published. Ricky, do you notice that the content that pulls into your Discover is kind of based off of search history or, or you know, yeah, sites absolutely, that you yeah. so like. I'll have sports teams that I follow. They must be using quite a bit of data in terms of your search history and websites that you've interacted with to feed that content. Um, because that seems to be the vast majority of it. And then I play, play around quite a bit with the features. So they'll misinterpret something. It'll be a topic that I was interested in, but it'll be a website in a different city that I have no interest in following. And they'll start showing me news from that website. And I'll toggle that off and make sure that they don't show me news from that specific website anymore. Let them know that I still want to hear news about this topic, but not necessarily news from that specific website. So I'm constantly using the little toggle features to tell them what I want to see more and less of. That's interesting. Well, I'm curious to see how that'll how those results will improve for you personally. And you know, maybe based on what you said, if it's so time sensitive, maybe that optimization, at least initially, is just focusing on news, you know, things that just occurred. Um, we actually the one video that caused this spike was not at all time sensitive. It was a tutorial, but when I looked at the queries driving the traffic, or actually it wasn't even query based, um, it was just a tutorial. Like, and I was like, well, why is, how are they, because I couldn't make the connection between how a specific tutorial was getting into a discover feed without any sort of search, you know, aspect to it. And uh, yeah, I don't know, we'll have to see if yeah, more of those pop in. We'll look for those anomalies and try to share them in future videos here to see if we can, uh, we can uh, come up with, make some sense of it as soon as we can, right? All right, next, uh, I wanna talk about Amazon Search Share. eMarketer came out with this. I know, Joe, you mentioned before a little bit, you had looked into this a little bit, um, but Amazon ad revenue in the US uh, is moving up to about 12.9%, which is about double big 
which is kind of amazing in and of itself. Now we're not talking about product shares, uh, sales, we're talking about actual ad revenue through the Amazon platform from Amazon merchants, double that of Bing, and obviously taking share from Google. How does that happen? Like, how in the world does Amazon kind of come out of nowhere and basically crush Bing? And I'm actually a Bing fan. I'm, I'm gonna say, if you've watched these in the past, like Bing has come a long way in the past six months into making it like a feasible ad network. Um, but uh, that user base on Amazon, I guess, is just too strong. What do you guys think? I think a lot of that kind of can be attributed to, you know, when Google first kind of rose, it was, if you needed something, you Googled it. Now that you know, Prime is available where you can get same day or next day shipping, really any sort of product search, the impressions are going through Amazon, you know, you're Amazoning it. You know, Amazon me a pack of diapers, Amazon me uh, a new pair of shoes where that platform and then, you know, I, I think also within the next couple of years, we'll probably see in the number four and five spot something like Walmart or Target where you know people are just taking that product search away from Google where Google shopping isn't the most user friendly kind of way to browse in and out of you know a single source to you know purchase something from and I think we're going to see those sort of those e-commerce search based platforms really start to take away more of these search impressions that's a good point I, I agree with the Walmart especially that statement about Walmart um, that's that's the next uh, I think that's the real challenger, the real contender. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been noticing myself performing a lot of those types of searches you mentioned with Amazon. Anytime I'm buying something, I'm pretty much going to Amazon. We order our paper towels. We order refills of paper cups on Amazon. Um, basically, any toiletries, shampoo we have on auto delivery. And then even sites like Wayfair. We, we just moved into this, uh, this condo that we bought several months ago. And... When we need a new piece of furniture, we go straight to Wayfair. We've been skipping over Google for furniture purposes because we built that, you know, connection with the brand Wayfair. We know we're going to find a pretty decent piece of furniture for a good price. So I think it's just a, an increase in fragmentation of search probably. Well, I got a connection at Wayfair if you buy anything else there. So hit me up first. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to ask a dumb question, and if none of us can answer this, then uh, uh, maybe is the quality of content we're getting here. Uh, Verizon Media and Yelp are on this list. Um, a, who's still advertising on Yelp? And B, I'm just confused by what Verizon Media is running. What product is that? I, I buy a lot of media. I don't know what Verizon Media is. Anyone, anyone have an idea? No, my, my only guess would be a, a display network that they have across their the you know, their their phones and whatnot that and that's just throwing a random a random guess yeah. out of the dark because I, yeah. I don't know of them owning any other sort of media networks that you know could it be pinterest i don't know does verizon is verizon in the social media game and we don't know about it i don't i don't know yeah unless they're just a yeah well i'm just just uh totally curious on that if um, i had to guess the four and five spots, there's probably like a hundred other places that are all 1.7999 and 1.796 that they just happen to round up yeah. those two in there. Cause there's no way that Yelp is, is still, you know, beating out Pinterest or, uh, you know, it's gotta be quite a few other search, search sort of platforms that are up there. 
They do email our agency like three times a month. So it's an aggressive sales team for sure. Maybe it just works, but in scale, I mean, we're looking at almost one third of Bing's ad revenue. That That's a, just a total mind blowing thing to me because I have personal negative feelings about Yelp and their uh, value to the world, but. Yes, same. Just, uh, <laughs> just uh, leave it at that. Well, we'll see how these numbers change. I think they were expecting uh, Google to drop to about 70% by 2021 is what the e-marketer or something like that. Uh, uh, study had said so uh you know we'll see where that goes and i'm also curious how the new google shopping uh, not that it's new but the you know the relaunch or whatever you know how that starts to uh play into this uh, and google being able to take more back from amazon because i actually think google shopping network uh it can possibly rival amazon if it if it is done right but google seems to be taking all day to get that thing uh, out there so we'll and amazon keeps it keeps coming out with different ways for you know even if you're not selling your product on amazon um, they'll allow you to run offsite ads that look like a product listing. Uh, I, I think it's only a matter of time until you almost can't tell the difference between one or the other and everything is still purchasable through that native Amazon, you know, kind of biosphere that they've created. Yeah. And I know I've, I have, and that makes me think like I've one Amazon client does pretty good amount there and, we do buy ad space, but they're an FBA client. So the margins are so low that the ads have to, the return on the ads have to be like 10X to even make them make sense. Because by the time Amazon takes all of its fees, you just kind of whittle down to like just spinning wheels basically. Um, you know, I'm really curious because Amazon fees seem to be getting higher and higher, how that'll yeah. affect those ad sales. And if people are even paying attention there, but it's actually a very complex analysis to do is to pair that ad spend with all the fees specific to orders and products and timeframes and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and how much of this is just them relying on people just not really quantifying things maybe as much as they could, but, uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, and I had just one story today. Uh, and this is just a notice we got recently from Google wanted to share. Um, if you're running smart shopping campaigns, um, previously, what Google would basically do is rely within Google Merchant Center on your country of sale. And we got a little graphic up there showing how that pulls into Google Ads. And that's how they determine, for the most part, where to run ads. Beginning in November, though, there's a separate targeting feature, which by default is set to all countries and territories. Um, so what you need to do before November is switch it to your country if you want to sort of restrict that. Um, otherwise, you could leave it as is if you're a worldwide seller. Um, we think it's a really big deal because I, I think that that will adversely affect, affect a lot of smart shopping campaigns. So just wanted to make that, make you aware of that. Um, I thank you guys for joining today. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you again soon in the future, but Ricky Shockley with Shockley Marketing. Thank you very much. And Joe with Company Man Studios. Um, hope to see you guys Thanks back you. soon and, uh, Subscribe below, ring the bell, visit us at learndigitaladvertising.com. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rick.